Welcome to episode 153 of the Various and Sundry Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is racking up frequent flyer miles and travel points, John Scott Sloat. Fun fact, I got no miles on this most recent trip. Why? So I learned this. If you book basic economy with Delta, they give you zero miles. You have to book main cabin okay. is the designation. It's like a $15 difference. Okay. It's just good to good to know and be aware of. When you book basic economy, you cannot upgrade your seat even if you pay for it. That seems like a uh, I, I, that's not a something in Delta's favor. I wouldn't think they just institute. I I I was like, why can't? Because on some of those longer flights, I'll use some of my miles to upgrade to like Comfort Plus or something. Right. Just just a little extra leg room. Yeah, make, make, makes a difference. And I do that on some longer legs, mm-hmm. and it wasn't available for me. I'm like, why isn't? It? And I had booked a basic economy ticket. So learning more and more about the system. Yeah. Yeah. I did hit silver status at Hilton, though. So okay, is that a uh, well? Oh, at Hilton. So that's probably what? How many nights? It's four. That's it. Four nights. Okay. And I get a free water bottle when I walk wow. in. I know. You're I know. Large man. Watch out, world. <laughs> yes, a a fully hydrated John Sloat on the move. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> If you'd like to reach out to the show and uh, talk to John Sloat about other travel tips about getting free water bottles, uh, you can find the show on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube. And as always, we would appreciate a five-star rating and if you are so inclined, um, a honest or funny review. Yeah. Maybe both. Yeah. You can hit both of yep. those. And you want to know what? The other thing we'd appreciate, go out and tell your friends about this weird podcast you like. <laughs> tell them to subscribe and listen. Or you, you want to know what? Once you've listened to this, download it again and listen to it again. Put, hit play while you go to sleep. You can go to sleep to the beautiful sound of our voices. <laughs> wow. This is the most I think I've ever seen you uh, – uh, Advocate is, I think, the neutral word I can come up with. Advocate for, um, one might even say, gaming the system. I mean, I mean, if you have Spotify, put it on repeat on Spotify. <laughs> you don't even have to have the volume up; just let it ride. <laughs> okay, all day. Yeah, there you go. All day. There you go. All right, John. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the world of sports. There's a lot going on. Yep. Let's start yep. with college football. Uh, so last week's episode, we uh, kind of did a uh, a bit of a eulogy for the Ohio State football season. Yeah, post-mortem yeah. almost. Yeah, and um, now there's been a resurrection. I was going to say Frankenstein's <laughs> monster, but yeah, yeah. There's been a resurrection, yes. Uh, Ohio State uh, backs their way into the college football playoff because USC lost in the Pac-12 championship game. To the Utes. The Utes of Utah. The second time this year they've lost to Utah. That's wild. Yes. Um, 
I can't say as I was sad about that. Uh, obviously, my interest in Ohio State was uh, prompted me to 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 root for Utah, but um, also T- TCU lost as well. Right? TCU did lose, but it didn't affect them. Yeah. So, yeah, going into the weekend, it was Georgia, Michigan, um, TCU, and USC in the top four, and then mm-hmm. Ohio State five, Alabama six, and. Um, USC lost and lost convincingly. So that moved them out because that was their second loss. Yeah. TCU lost, but that was their first loss and it was in overtime to a team that they had beaten earlier in the year. So I didn't expect that to move them at all. And Mm. then both Georgia and Michigan took care of business. So uh, Ohio State backs their way into the playoff. Um, And they jumped TCU, right? No. No, they're four. They're still four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which um, I, I think that makes sense because, again, you, you can't be just the prisoner of the moment because at the end of the season, you, you are looking at the totality of a team's work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think in fairness, TCU did have a better claim to the number three spot than Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had no problem with that. I also think that the committee was probably trying to avoid putting – two teams from the same conference in the semifinals against each other. You heard the committee came out and said that that was never discussed in their meeting, which I think Those is Those people a lie. are liars. Yeah. Those yeah. people are liars. I'm on board. I, I endorse that message. They, yeah, there, there is no way, no way that that was never mentioned. Yeah. And, I and totally agree. The most positive spin I can put on that is they didn't have to mention it because everybody in the room already had the assumption working. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like you can go into a meeting like, well, we never talked about that. That's because going in, everybody was on the same page. So you didn't have to talk about it. So anyway, uh, so the college football playoff uh, is set. Georgia plays Ohio State in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. So basically a home game for Georgia. That's a a home game. I mean the tickets are split evenly. So it's not like it's going to be like a 90 percent Georgia crowd, you know, but still. Uh, And they deserve it. As the number one seed, they deserve that. Sure. And uh, the opening line was around six and a half, I think. Georgia by six and a half. Michigan and TCU, uh, that – Line was around nine points. Michigan favored by nine. Okay. So we'll see how those move over the course of over the course of the uh, next three weeks. I guess. Who'd have thought well, we'd be talking betting lines on this podcast? <laughs> you know, uh, we do not condone uh, <laughs> or participate or participate in, in, in wagering. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but. Uh, other news for Ohio State, their star wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigma announced that he would not, that. not be returning. And uh, not playing in the college football playoff, right? Yes. That feels big. Although they have a they have a deep bench of wide receivers. No, no. no you, are you, well, he hasn't played all year. He's played barely all year. Oh, OK. Uh, you're, you might be thinking of Marvin Harrison. Yes. Uh, he is definitely playing. Because he's a, he's a first he can't, year? He can't leave anyway. Okay. He's a second year player. OK. Yeah. So he's got – he has to stay for at least one more year. Um, but I, I didn't expect Jackson Smith and Jigba to come come back at this point. That hamstring injury has been lingering and lingering. He tried to come back, re-injured it. Those hamstrings are 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 scary injuries. 
Because mm-hmm. they can be really light things where you're like, oh, you pull it and you, you rest it or it can linger. And this one has lingered mm. and lingered and lingered. So, you ever pulled a hamstring? Yeah, in high school. It's awful. Yeah, it's not pleasant. It's it's just terrible. It's not pleasant. So, um, yeah, so that's college football. Uh, I, I have mixed feelings about – I mean this is a chance for Ohio State to get some redemption. They can salvage their season. Yeah. Um, and they're – Capable of beating Georgia. Oh, they have the talent. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think on paper, football games aren't played on paper, but on Unless paper. Unless it's paper football. There you go. Uh, they have equal and in some – I would say in several positions more talent than Georgia. Yeah. At the wide receiver position, um, absolutely that's the case. But, um, you know, it will be, be a chance for the – for the coaches to reevaluate the disaster that was the Michigan game and to come up with a better game plan against Georgia. But, uh, I mean, this is a game that I could easily see <clears throat> Ohio State getting getting blown out because their defense gives up too many big plays. Sure. Or if they can tidy that up, it could be a very competitive game. And so, you know, they have the talent to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um We'll see. When is that game? That is December 31st, New Year's okay. Eve. I'm not a big fan of them putting it on New Year's Eve, to be honest. But Yeah. What time does that game start? That's the late kick. That'll be the 8 o'clock kick. Will that go into the new year? Mm, It'll come it, close. It, it should not. It should not. But Throw, it throw it in an overtime or two? I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, eight. yeah. I mean, it's not unheard of for college football games to go four hours. But – uh, yeah, they put that game in prime time. I mean, that's the one that's going to draw the the huge oh, ratings. Yeah. Huge ratings. Absolutely. So, so yeah, we will see. We will see. Um, let's talk some NFL now, John. Um, your Jets. Yeah. Your Jets. Um, red zone inefficiency. Yes, yes. Uh, you can't go one for six in the red zone and win games. Yeah. Uh, now – we were very close to winning that game several times. Yep. Uh, so I think if even even by like I think when Garrett Wilson steps out on his I think it was a six yard catch he steps out right at maybe the ten. Mm-hmm. Um, if he doesn't step out there and gets into the end zone, I think it's a different game. And, yeah. and obviously you don't know the future and what would happen if that happened. Then we kick off. Like what does that all look like? Yeah. But. Uh, I think if we score one of those one of those long touchdowns, I think it's a it's a totally new ball game. So, yeah, we still played well against a very good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, defense looked really good. Justin Jeffries, I think, who is considered the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. Justin Jefferson, you mean? Yeah, what, or, what did I say? Yeah, you said yeah. Jeffries. Oh, Jefferson. Um, for the for the Vikings, mm-hmm. it's considered the best. Certainly on the short list of two or three best, yeah, for sure. Um, he, I think, has been averaging about a hundred yards a game, and we held him to forty seven catches and forty yards. Like he just didn't yeah. go very far. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, there were there were things to come out of that game that were really positive. I think play calling by the offensive coordinator was a definite negative coming out of that game. Okay. A lot of reverses to Braxton Berrios <laughs> inside the 10. 
Yeah. That did not work out. Yeah. So lots of those sorts of things as well as we threw the ball 57 times, something yes. like that. Yes. Um, no, not not good. <laughs> uh, run run the ball. You, we, we found this like undrafted free agent. I think we talked about him last week. Bam Knight. Yeah. Uh, who – had 100 yards on like 15 carries. He was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. He probably needed the ball seven or eight more times. Yeah. And uh, a couple end arounds to Elijah Moore, uh, things like that I think would have would have been would have been a better use of our better use of play calling. So, yeah. That's um, what I'm criticizing in that game. Defense looked good and the decision th- to go for it uh near midfield late first half. How'd you feel about that? I wasn't crazy about that. Uh but the defense held up, mm-hmm. stopped them. I yeah. think they got a field goal. We then came back and got a field goal right at the end of the half to kick it off to them. So, okay. um, third quarter was money. Yeah, I mean two three and outs by the Vikings, and we had two field goals. And Garrett Wilson, man, yeah, he's Garrett putting up numbers. He's putting up great numbers. Well, he's got a quarterback who's like, yeah, let me do what I can to just get you the ball. And so, uh, how sold are you in Mike White being the answer? I think I'm pretty sold because I just I just think if we are going to be a defensive first team and if we're going to be a run-the-ball-first team, we, we need somebody who can get the ball to our playmakers. Okay. We don't need, you know, the 60-yard touchdown pass mm-hmm. in the air. You know, we, yeah. we, we need somebody who can throw the 15-yard pass, the 12-yard pass, mm-hmm. um, get the ball where it needs to be with accuracy – and with regularity. So even with a big quarterback class coming out this year in the draft, it's it, it's a significant – there should be four or five guys who are probably first-round quarterback picks. You would not be interested in trying to move up and snag one. Nope. This is a, this is a one in the bush or one in the hand, two in the bush scenario. OK. All right. So uh, that drops the Jets to what, seven and four? Five. Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. And still on the, the – On the cusp. The, on the cusp of the playoffs. Yep. Don't they have like the last wild card spot? I believe so. Or maybe they're, yeah. I believe so. We have the Bills this weekend. That's a big game. That's a tough ask. In Buffalo. That's a tough ask. Hopefully not, you know, six feet of snow or anything. But yeah. uh, but we beat, we've beat the Bills before with a with, – with Zach Wilson. Yeah. Your least favorite Mormon now. You know, the least <laughs> – the apostate Mormon. Um Yes. So overall, I, I think I came into that game going like, we're a good football team. And I think I think we're going to be tough through the rest of the season. Yeah. After that, we do have the Lions and the Jaguars. Those should be two very winnable games for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Uh, Bills, I think, will be a good game. All right. And potentially on TV here for a third week in a row, which I'd be excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what about World Cup? You been watching World Cup? I woke up Saturday morning and watched the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I watch the USA. I, yeah. I don't watch other teams as much as I enjoy soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I watched USA. I thought we played really well. I thought – and this has been a problem throughout the tournament. Our defense has been lackluster. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got that Zimmerman guy back there. He's <laughs> a man bun and, and doesn't look like he knows what he's doing back there and – did not look good. Um, but I think there's reason to be encouraged. It's a very young team. Yes. And four years from now, the World Cup is in North America. Yeah. You know, 
who has the stadiums for that, Matt? Remind me. Yeah, it's the U.S. It's the U.S. They, I mean, I mean, realistically, they're going to throw what one one group down in Mexico City, probably, yep. and one group up in Toronto, maybe. Toronto, Montreal. Uh, I don't think they'll go to Montreal. Calgary, maybe. Okay. Uh, and then what's what? Gosh, British Columbia somewhere. Vancouver. Vancouver. There's the word I'm looking for. I need to know Canadian geography. Um, I don't. But that's uh, a surprising gap in uh, in American. Uh, well, you want to know what? I've <laughs> I've never been to Canada. Really? Ever? Never? Never been to Canada. Really? Isn't that wild? I think I've been to Canada like five or six times. I can I can remember at least three, um, maybe f- yeah, three or four I can remember. Yeah, never been. Okay, never been to Canada. Uh, so yeah, I think they'll throw they'll throw they'll throw those countries a bone, you know. But uh, but the question is, so no- does that mean that all three of those countries well, that get was, in? That was my next question. Like I think the U.S. will qualify no problem. Canada right. qualified this last time. Right. Does Mexico? M- does Mexico qual- did not qual? Well, did they qual? They did not qualify this. They have like, historically, but they did not. This but they did not qualify this Mm-mm. year. Okay. No. Hmm. So interesting. Um, it'll be interesting for FIFA to figure that out, and I'm sure there will be bribes and all oh sorts of goodness, things. Oh my goodness! Yes. Yeah. The cor- <laughs> the corruption. <laughs> From FIFA, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like they hired a Bond villain to be the to be the commissioner. Yes, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. been it's, it's been absolutely it's laughable. Wild. It's so laughable. But all that to say, I think the U.S. played a better game than the Netherlands. They just couldn't they just couldn't score goals. Yeah, I've watched a decent bit, not just the U.S. I, I mean, I, I will agree. I think just getting out of the group stage into the knockout stage was a success for the U.S. Like that's what. I think sort of the baseline should have been for this will be a good World Cup for the U.S. if yep. they get out of the group stage, which they did. Yep. And, you know, the Netherlands is a good team. It's a good quality team. Historically, so, good team. And Germany didn't advance. Belgium didn't advance. Those are both teams that yep. are much higher ranked than the U.S. in the world mm-hmm. soccer rankings. So, France didn't even make the tournament. So, yeah, I mean, there's – there. Italy didn't make the tournament. Yeah, it's it's – it, it was a good um, it was a good World Cup for the U.S. So, uh, I hate ties. I hate that. That's one of the things that drives me crazy about the group stage. But then I also hate the, well, we've played 120 minutes. Let's just do penalty kicks and be done with this. What did you think of Christian Pulisic and his goal? And his pelvic bruise. <laughs> well, I prefer not to comment on the pelvic regions of other men <laughs> or myself for that matter. But I think um, uh, it was impressive that, uh, you know, he took one for the team. And, yeah. you know, taking a shot there plus, I mean, didn't he like bruise a rib or something too? Like, I mean, just. Yeah, that, that was buried in the story. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> for sure. So, uh Yeah. But um, I've I've enjoyed the World Cup. Um, all right, we need to move on. Ready to move on? Yes. So our topic for today is one of John Sloat's favorite things to talk about. Yeah, it it really is. Yeah. Um, sh- should I tell the origins of this? Yeah, why not? Okay, so uh, I listened to a podcast uh, by Derek Thompson. Do you know that name, Derek Thompson? I don't. He's a writer with The Atlantic. 
Um, he has a podcast called Plain English. Um, he just brings on guests and talks about all sorts of things. Some of them I find really interesting. He's way more into crypto than I care to be into crypto. <laughs> um, Have although, you invested in crypto? Zero. Okay. Zero investment in crypto. Although I had somebody tell me 10% of my net worth needed to be in crypto a year ago. Crypto scares the crud out of me. Same. Um, both for the risk and for the shady morality of some of the – So that area. Anyway. I'll put this in the show notes because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Have you seen the Larry David commercial for FTX? No. So the, the crypto giant that just went down, right, mm-hmm. with with a ton of fraud and everything. Yeah. Uh, Larry, Larry David did a like – it had to be like a 120-second commercial. Like it was a long commercial mm-hmm. where it's him through the ages as just like seeing different inventions yeah. being made and, and him really in there and him just like poo-pooing on it. Yeah. Like this guy rolls out a wheel. He's like, what are you going to use that for? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why would you do this? Why would you spend your time doing this? It's useless. Mm-hmm. You know, fast forward. Um uh, he did several, but but uh, yeah, one of them was a toilet, um, and he's just like looking at this, like, hold on, hold on, hold. On. You want us to go to the bathroom inside? We're not animals. We go outside like people, you know. Uh, and then the other was like 1776 signing of uh, the or uh, not not seventeen seventy six, but the signing of the Constitution. Seventeen eighty seven. Eighty seven. He goes, hold on. Everybody gets to vote. <laughs> And George Washington, absolutely. Even the stupid people? <laughs> and it's him like lunging to like rip it up and, and all I sorts see. of things. You know, it's uh, it's just very, very comical. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to FTX and goes crypto. And it goes, eh, I don't think so. I'm never I'm never wrong about these things. You know, I'll put it in the show notes. It's hilarious okay. now that they've now that they've yeah. fallen. Yeah. Well, that is not the topic we're discussing. Oh today. goodness, yes! I just went on a huge rabbit trail. <laughs> um, yes, Derek Thompson. We don't normally dive into the uh, inv- uh, oh, investing my goodness. advice. Um, wow. Yeah, I just totally got lost in my own conversation <laughs> there. Um, so he did using this article as a launching point. Had a conversation about male friendship. Okay. Uh, and in the article, they used the term. Uh, men are having a friendship recession okay. uh, and how this is a global phenomenon, not just a local Americanized phenomenon or a or Western phenomenon, but but globally. Like this is happening in, in Asia, Australia, Europe, everywhere in the world. This is happening, that men are in a recession. Um, and so uh, there are things that I think are true in this article. Uh, however, it's also an article – about men at male friendship written by a female. I did note that. And there's part of me that just goes, come on, you know. But uh, but I do think this is a pressing issue. I think mm-hmm. we think it's a pressing issue um, and something that needs to talk about. So what did, what did you think of the article as you read through it? Well, I'm always fascinated by articles like this in the sense of – And it's, kind of, a, it's in the New York Times yeah. just for – So it's, it's coming from a purely secular perspective. Yep. Um, and so I, I'm always fascinated when articles like this stumble upon something that is a shadow of biblical truth. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, yeah, the, the Bible has talked about that for, you know, 
thousands of years as being a good thing or a helpful mm-hmm. thing. And you know, the this secular author is presenting it almost like this is – this is a, a bit harsh but like kind of cutting edge research kind of like we've discovered this. <laughs> like yeah, the Bible knew that like thousands of years before. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do think uh, it, it makes some interesting points. Uh, we'll walk through the four kind of what they call key points for uh, – for men building uh, friendships, um, but uh, yeah, I think you know. In, in looking at their analysis of the situation, they do use that term friendship recession. Um, they have a few uh, stats in here. Less than half of the men surveyed. I think this is out of two thousand adults. Less than half of the men uh, said they were truly satisfied with how many friends they had, while fifteen percent said they had no close friends at all, which is a five-fold increase since 1990. And then the uh, survey also indicated men were less likely than women to rely on their friends for emotional support or to share their personal feelings with them. That's news to nobody. Mm -hmm. That last part there. Yeah. Everybody knows that. So Mm – did any of those stats surprise you? Um, no, no. I think that I think you and I have done some reading on this and mm-hmm. have kind of kind of been like, yeah, this is this is true. Like, yeah. I see this with um, family members. I see this. I can see. I can even see the desire for this or the the tendency for this in my own my own life, where mm-hmm. uh, sort of friendship is sort of receding into the background. Um, yeah, I think – I mean this I, This is a broader comment on friendship than just uh, specific to men. But I think you know, early in your life – so in high school, you think I'm going to be friends with these people forever. And then you get into college and you're like, no, these are the people I'm going to be mm-hmm. friends with forever. And then you get you know, 15 years removed from college and you're like, maybe you've hung on to a couple – of those college friendships yeah. at some measure of distance. Um, and that's it. And I think the older you get, the harder it becomes to form friendships. I think that's especially true for men, but I think it's true across the board. And you know, one of the interesting dynamics that um, I think is lost uh, in, in the whole friendship thing is I think it can be challenging for couples to form couple friendships mm-hmm. because inevitably, inevitably, there's a disparity there. Either the guys really click and the women are like, well, yeah, we, we, we enjoy each other. It's not like they don't like each other, but it's like they're not naturally close or it's the other way around where the women are close and the guys are like, yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't mind talking to him, but like, I don't want to go out of my way to spend time with him. Yeah. And that can make some of those dynamics challenging even just as a couple to socialize with Absolutely. other couples. For real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you know, some of that dynamic is there as well. But uh, let's dive into uh, their suggested fix for this. Uh, they make four uh, suggestions. Uh, sorry, she makes four suggestions. There you go. There you go. The, the author is Catherine Pearson. So, which okay. I, know, I just know nothing about. No, I don't know anything about her either. So, um, 
Yeah. First suggestion, uh, practice vulnerability, even if it makes you uncomfortable. What were your thoughts on that one? Um, well, in the article, she sort of downplays sort of the uh, strength, competitiveness, stoicism. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of pl- downplaying those things. Like yeah. I think those things tend to be, not absolutely, but tend to be uh, in men and I think can be a bond-forming uh, sort of thing. So I I don't like the downplaying of that. Generally, I think uh, – Sharing with other men is is a good thing mm-hmm. for, for men to practice. I, some of the foundational assumptions she has of what that means, yeah. I think I struggle with a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but uh, but being able to to dialogue with men and share what is happening in life mm-hmm. is is ultimately a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I flagged the same thing there in terms of I, I think we can – I think we can encourage the practice of uh, of vulnerability with other guys uh, without downplaying pursuit of strength and even appropriate competitiveness and, um, and Appro- even, appropriate stoicism. Yeah, even. yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I don't think it's an either or. I think it can be a both and. Um, sometimes these pieces. So, like, th- there's there's one line where they're they're interviewing a. Uh, chair of a psychology department and they go, well, if you look at little boys, they, they tend to do this. I was like, that feels really armchairy to me. Yeah. You know, that feels like you're just looking for some confirmation there. So I'm not crazy uh, uh, about sort of those sort of those confirmation bias moments. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think um, I, this is where, um, you know, and even the suggestions, they um, you know, they one of the lead suggestions. Uh, one simple way to practice being emotionally unguarded is to tell your friends how you feel about them. Um, <laughs> you're shaking your head. This when I first read that, it it reminded me of um the Seinfeld episode where Jerry suddenly gets emotional. <laughs> right where, he, where yes. he actually taps into his emotions and he's yes. telling George, I love you, buddy. And George is getting super uncomfortable. Yeah. And finally, what shakes Jerry out of that like weird, like sappy, very emotional, oversharing kind of uh, mode is when George like completely opens up to him and shares all his like darkest fears and all that sort of stuff. Everything I'm capable of, <laughs> Jerry. Right. And And you see this change on Jerry's face and he's like, well, good luck with all of that. I think you scared me straight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, now I will say there is an appropriate place for expressing um, appreciation for friends. Mm-hmm. And I do think men tend to struggle with this more than women. But I also would be very cautious about like we need to be careful about over-stereotyping women here too because I mean – I don't think my wife will mind me sharing this, but um, like she is not like this like deeply natural like um, emotional kind of stereotype of the woman where where she she gets uncomfortable in contexts where she's with other women and they're like overly emotional. Mm-hmm. It's just not how she's wired. And so I think um, we need to be careful about over-stereotyping men versus sure. women on this. Absolutely. 
But I, I do think the good thing about what, what they're trying to get at there is there is a place for expressing your appreciation for and encouragement of a friend mm-hmm. to acknowledge, um, man, you're, you're really good at that. Like I admire the way you're able to do this or things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think those kinds of things are a little easier for men to move into as opposed to the sharing struggles. Now, here's where I will say um, this is where Christian community comes in yes. and provides a context where men should be able to do that. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, on the vulnerability piece, because we've we've all been around people who are too quickly and too deeply vulnerable in contexts where it makes it very uncomfortable and makes things awkward, deeply yeah, awkward. I, I just want to leave. Yeah, I just I just want to walk out of the room. Yeah, like uh, there's a particular person I'm thinking of. Uh, you might be able to guess who it is. I, I'll, I'll be. I, I, I won't. I won't guess on air. No, 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 no. Please don't. Please don't. But. Um, who just had a habit of um, even though we didn't know each other very well, would try to ask these really deep, penetrating, like vulnerability kind of questions. And I'm just thinking we don't have that kind of relationship. Yeah. I don't know you well enough. I've not let you into the circle of trust yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to even want to answer those questions. So I, I think – there needs to be a recognition of for men especially there tends to be a much slower burn to get to that point. Oh yeah. So all right, number 2 in their uh suggestions here was uh don't assume friendships uh friendship happens organically. I actually like this one. Okay. This this is one this is one I like that that fr- any relationship whether friendship or romantic take takes work and and leaning into it a little bit and and moving towards it is a, is a good a good thing. I will give a measured – again, here's where I feel like it's a both and. There does need to be an organic aspect to it. But there also needs to be intentionality I yeah. think too. And so I think if you – you can try to force friendships that just don't work. That just don't work. Yeah. And so um, – you know, I think there's a both and here of yeah, intentionality is important and good, but there is a space for letting any kind of relationship develop some de- to some degree organically through just the natural process of time, shared experience, and that sort of thing. Well, and I, and I think that's where the th- the third point comes in. And where I think that naturally resides, like use use activities to your advantage, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I do think men, and she makes the point that men do things side by side, not face to face, right? And I think that's right. Even watching a football game or, mm-hmm. or doing those sorts of things is a uh, is an activity um, yeah. that that causes some of that natural organic uh, connection. Yes, um, and it is interesting. Uh, so that is the third one. Use activities to your advantage. Um, here's where I, I will simply add uh, activities aren't enough necessarily mm-hmm. to get the kind of friendship they're talking about here. Yeah. That activities can provide context and build uh, goodwill and trust over a period of time. But um, – and this is where some of my criticism uh, of like 
men's events or things like that in churches can just be like, well, if you're just getting together to throw axes, uh, sure, it's fine. Yeah. But that's not really fellowship. That's not, that's not really a biblical picture of fellowship there. So there needs to be, I think, a combination of the sort of organic plus uh, intentionality. And I think the activity piece is key for 95 percent of men probably. Like yeah. just saying, we're going to have a group where we just talk. That's not going to draw a lot of men. No, that's not going to do well. No. Um, and then the fourth and final one, and I think this is the one I, I want to get your thoughts on the most. Um, harnessing the power of casual check-ins. Yeah. I think this might be the best point in the article. Really? I kind of went like, that seems dumb. Really? Yeah. That, that was kind of my response to it when I when I read through it. Like, okay, the casual check-in. Just I suppose it depends on what we mean by casual check-in. Maybe we need to find that a little better. Um, touching base or okay, um, which which I think are helpful. I I don't know if that's a key or secret to friendship. Well, but it keeps it keeps the connection alive. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I'm thinking more in terms of long distance, sure, as opposed to close proximity. Okay. Um, you know, so and uh, you know who the king of this is. Nate in Ohio. Nate in Ohio. Yeah. He's the king of this. That's true. And um, that's part of what has maintained that mm-hmm. friendship. And it's not the only piece of that. I mean, you know, I have substantive conversations with Nate in Ohio um, over all sorts of things, whether it's ultimately silly things like sports or like, hey, what's going on in your life? How's your health doing? Like, you know, substantive things where it's like, you know th- those matter, but I think the the check ins keep the context alive where those sorts of more substantive conversations happen more naturally, as opposed to, well, gosh, I haven't talked to this person in a long time, and now you're now you're wondering, yeah. you know, like those sort of catch ups can feel awkward. I think so. That that's that's why I gravitated towards that. Mm. I I could see that from from long distance. Uh, perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know we need to move on. One thing that I think is missing from this article that that I think is missing in the conversation of friendships is the power that large institutions play in men forming friendships. So whether it's church, whether it's the Optimist Club, whether it's um, church softball, you know, you know the, these uh, institutions that are in our society, alumni networks of your college or school, mm-hmm. those institutions, I think historically um, have formed friendships, uh, and I think we're losing some of those some of those neighborhood institutions in our in our country. One one quick example: um, my dad was telling me a story a while back that my grandfather was a vi- volunteer firefighter on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Have I told you this story before? Uh, If it's the one – I'll let you tell it. I'm pretty sure I've heard it. But Okay. Well, he would go – even after he was done being a volunteer firefighter, once he had a family and those sorts of things, he would go to their picnic every summer and he would throw horseshoes to like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And my grandma was putting my dad to bed in the car while my (laughs) grandfather just out there chucking shoes and, you know – I think I think we're missing, and it was so impactful that at his at his viewing, 
one of the gentlemen showed up from that volunteer firefighter fire mm-hmm. group, which was pretty cool. And it was yeah. cool to talk to him because like this Italian guy walked in in like a three-piece suit dressed yeah. to the nines and uh-huh. and did a little Catholic thing, you know, knelt by his casket, said a yeah. prayer and like, who, who are, are you? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So there, there was clearly like a, a bond formed there. Yes. And I do think um, this is one area where as I, I think in the church we need to be – uh, thinking about how do we create those contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think there needs to be a multifaceted approach. Like I personally am not attracted to the let's have a men's event. That's just not my thing. Yeah. I'm not I'm not interested. But you'd be down for a cornhole tournament. <sighs> Even some of the like, – and again, I'm going to sound like uh, – there is a place for these things mm-hmm. and I'm glad that our church does them because mm-hmm. it does provide a context for men to gather mm-hmm. and friendships can form out of those. Great. It's just not my jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, – but I think we need to be better in the church at trying to facilitate men forming friendships. Um, part of that is just I think intentionality mm-hmm. and I think um, moving beyond the – well, we just gather together to do this activity. That's fine, and that's that, there's a value to that. Uh, and I'm not. I, I've moved subjects now. I'm not saying that's what happens at our men's events. I know our men's events do a good job of like here's an activity, but then someone shares a devotional or something, and there's fellowship time. Like yeah, it, I, I and what I'm about to say, I'm not criticizing that. I've moved on to the um the sort of activity that's you know just two guys show up. Or a few guys show up and they do this thing together. They're in a bowling league or something, you know, mm-hmm. and or they go hunting, but they never talk about anything meaningful mm-hmm. beyond, you know, the activity they're doing or you know, very simple stuff. Yeah, and that's where it's. I think asking some questions is what starts to open some of that up. And you can kind of test the waters a little bit of like, you know, um, asking questions that try to get. Guys, to kind of open up a little bit and mm-hmm. reveal how they're how they're how things are going at work, how things are going at home. Um, I, I, to me, I think that's probably a more fruitful avenue than just let me just emotionally vomit on you oh, and yeah. then see if you'll vomit back. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you know th- now there's some measure of like self sharing that's going to crack open the door a little bit more, right? Like. Yeah, you know, my wife and I are are dealing with this. This has been really hard. Our, our you know, our our son's situation here has been really hard on us. Yeah. You know, that can crack the door a little bit. Yeah. So. All right, I think it's time to move on. Yes, we do need to move on. We will put the link to the article in the show notes. Uh, we don't know if you'll be able to access it because the New York Times is uh, has a paywall. They do. They do. So. All right. Time now for This Day in Sports History. All right. December 6th, 2022. Yeah, 2022 is almost done, John. That's wild to me. Almost the end of our third year of podcasting. Yeah, yeah. When do we – what episode will we be at? 56 at the end of this year? 156? Okay. Um, 1975, uh, the 41st Heisman Trophy Award – uh, Archie Griffin, Ohio State, wins his second consecutive Heisman Trophy. Only player to win two. Yeah. 
Yep. It's hard to win too because once – He's pretty good. Once they give it to you the first time, I think they start looking for reasons to give it to somebody mm-hmm. else after that. Uh, 1992, the 49ers wide receiver Jerry Rice catches uh, an NFL record 101st touchdown in a 27-3 win over the Dolphins at Candlestick. 101 touchdown receptions. That's impressive. And another blowout win by the 49ers over the <laughs> Dolphins. I'd like to <laughs> yes. point that out. Yes. Um, another – on the same day yeah. in, 19, in 1942, gosh, 1992. Big day for San Francisco. The San Francisco Giants signed record $43 million uh, uh, packed mm-hmm. deal uh, with, yeah. the, with the Pirates MLB outfielder Barry Bonds. Yeah. He was there since 92. Yep. Yep. And uh, shortly after that began juicing, I believe, right? Didn't he? Oh, yeah. It was it was after he got to San Francisco. I think it was, it was after he Balco got Balco and there was a podcast I listened to about that. I can't remember the name of it. That was fascinating. Just sort of unpacking how all that went down with the investigation into Balco and how that broke and all that kind of stuff. So, um, 2018, uh, Tennessee Titans running back. Derrick Henry explodes for a franchise record 238 yards, four touchdowns, and a 30-9 to win over the Jaguars. The Jaguars. Jaguars. In Nashville, 99-yard touchdown run ties Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame Tony Dorsett, longest run in NFL history. Yeah. Big day. Big, Big day, day for King Henry. Yes. Did you hear uh, the Titans are getting a new stadium in Nashville? No. Yep. Yep, they got a new stadium. I think they brokered a deal with the mayor of Nashville or something like is that. Is it downtown or is it out in the suburbs? I believe it's downtown. Okay. I believe it's downtown. Yeah, Nashville's an interesting place. Oh, there's just an interesting mix of cultures that come together in Nashville. Yep. Yep. You got your hipster vibe. You got your country music vibe. Um, you, know, you can't go anywhere without hearing country music. Yeah. Like, yeah. You go in anywhere, they're like, yeah. Perform live here every Tuesday, or you know, you know, yeah. every night of the week. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. So, you got a preference out of those uh, four? I mean, probably the most significant on there is Archie Griffin. Don't you think? I agree. One thing you liked? Uh, yesterday, so Monday the fifth, I got coffee with Stephen Ohio or Stephen Cincinnati, and that was it. Was good to see him. Yeah. And he's always an encouragement, and he is a great encourager. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It was good to. Did good you get to see, see Holly as well? No, she wasn't able to make it. But, okay, but got to see Steve. He left work early to meet me at a Starbucks near my other meeting. So I see, I see. So you didn't get to go up in his office this time. Not this time. No. Yeah, that his office is amazing. Mm-hmm. That look, that that view out onto the Ohio River and both the Red Stadium and the Bengal Stadium. We did get the invite down for the summer. Next summer. Okay, summer twenty three. Summer twenty three for the baseball. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got to make that happen. And that list is growing. And I told him, like, here are all the people that want to come. And he laughed. <laughs> well, doesn't he have – does he have access to the box, to a I box? I don't know if he has access to a box. Where you and I sat last time is not normally. Like, they normally are down behind home plate with the, with the scouts, I think. Okay. I mean, it's not like the seats we were in were shabby. I mean, they were, what, second row? No, they're, behind, fir- they're first row. Behind the – yes, right, behind the visitor's dugout. yeah. Uh, who went on to win the World Series that year? Yeah, we were behind the Braves. Remember, yes. remember when Kung Fu Panda came out of the dugout there? Yes, and the crowd went wild. Yes, I, I just remember the Braves fans sitting over there who started the oh Braves chant gosh. in the eighth inning when they were rallying, and 
<laughs> was so obnoxious. Oh, that was great. So uh, my my one thing I liked was uh, last night. So we're actually recording on a Tuesday today, uh, same day as the episode drops. Uh, last night was senior night for Jake. Nice for his uh, JV basketball team here at Grace, and so that was a a fun uh, a fun evening. Um, he has one more game this Thursday, so it wasn't the absolute last game. But uh, had a great crowd. Two of our pastors came out, which was oh, uh, nice. awesome. And um, his uh, girlfriend's family came, and a lot of friends. It was just a, it was a, he had a, a large cheering section, and we made a fat head of him. Nice. Sent off a picture, and they they ship this massive fat head. I mean, it's it's like. Oh gosh, it's like three feet tall. Oh, nice! It's huge. So we had a lot of fun with that. Um, but uh, it's it's a weird experience. Ever since we moved to Warsaw, my boys have been playing basketball, whether mm-hmm. it's John or Jake. And now we're at a point where uh, competitively they will no longer be playing, which feels so weird. And yeah, I coached wild. a decent chunk of that, so. Very much a sort of season of life mm-hmm. that's, that's coming to an end. That's well, I, fe- I very much remember going to Jake's elementary school basketball yes. games. Well, yesterday my memory on Facebook was um, him leading his Harrison Huskies to a triple overtime victory over the Lincoln Lions. Yeah, that's fun. Yes. So that is my one thing I liked. Well, we've got a long time here today, John. We had a lot to talk about. We talked uh, college football playoff. We talked your um, travel uh, tips for uh, racking up nights at the Hilton and warnings about Delta and their shady practices when it comes to uh, – You just have to know the trick. You just have to know the trick. Okay. Uh, We talked about World Cup soccer. We talked about uh, why men struggle to make friendships. Uh, we talked about Archie Griffin, the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner. We talked about Steve in Ohio. We talked about Senior Night for Jake. And we even threw in a little investing advice about crypto. Uh, really, I recounted a Larry David commercial. <laughs> well, have you have you seen that commercial? I haven't. I'll, no. I'll need to send it to you. Yeah, yeah. Can you throw it in the show notes? I can. I believe I can. Yeah, yeah. I'll try. All right. So, uh... I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.